Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Invisible enemy. Coronavirus spreads across the United States. How much worse will it get? And when will doctors and nurses get all the equipment they need to fight it? I'll speak to FEMA Administrator Peter Gaynor next. And stay at home. 80 million Americans told stay in to help slow the spread of the virus. Should more states be doing it? Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker joins me exclusively to discuss in moments. Plus, out of work. Americans on edge as the pandemic shuts down businesses across the country. What is Washington's plan to keep the economy afloat? And what do those who are suffering need? I'll speak exclusively to Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from hard-hit New York City. Hello, I'm Jake Tapper in Washington, where the State of Our Union is looking at the numbers with alarm. Last week, at this time, on this show, we told you 60 people in the U.S. had died of the coronavirus. This week, that number is more than five times higher, and more than 26,000 people in the U.S. have been diagnosed with the disease as Americans from coast to coast dramatically change their daily routines to slow its spread. For a reminder, on how important health officials say it is to stay inside, look no further than Italy, where the country delayed taking such actions and 793 people died this weekend in one 24-hour period. This morning, at least 80 million Americans are under stay-at-home orders as governors in a handful of states decide that's their best chance of saving lives and flattening the curve to prevent surges at hospitals. Those orders have already resulted in layoffs and sparked fears of a recession, as many more Americans worry about making ends meet. In Washington this weekend, lawmakers are working on a bipartisan aid package that would help address some of the economic fallout of the virus. But let's begin with the shortage of tests and medical supplies, including protective masks, as hospitals scramble to find the equipment they need to treat patients and ward off infection themselves. Joining me now is the administrator of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, Peter Gaynor. Uh, Administrator Gaynor, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Um, I'm going to start off by looking for clarity on a pressing issue uh, facing healthcare workers across the country. How many masks does the federal government have right now, and when can they get to local hospitals? Well, when it comes to supplies, um, you know, we have been shipping from the national stockpile uh, for weeks. Uh, The demand on these critical items uh, is not only nationally, it's globally. Uh, so we, we, we've been shipping. We ship today. We're going to ship tomorrow. Uh, we're linking supplies not only from the national stockpile, but from vendors and commercial donations. Uh, and it's just not about uh, the federal government buying it. It's also about uh, those hospitals and other facilities, governors, that if you find it on the market, go ahead and buy it. Uh, FEMA will reimburse you for it. So 
this is a shared responsibility. Every American has a role to play in, in defeating the coronavirus. Do you have any specific numbers on how many masks the federal government has been able to acquire and how many have gone out the door to hospitals? Uh, it, is, it is a dynamic and fluid uh, operation. Uh, the president appointed FEMA five days ago uh, to manage federal operations. Uh, and since I've been here, we've been shipping uh, continuously uh, from federal warehouses and, again, connecting uh, you know, those governors that need uh, supplies to, to those who have it in, in the commercial sector. Do you have uh, even so, a rough number? Uh, I, I can't give you a, a rough number. I can tell you that it's happening every day. And my mission is operational coordination of all of these things, and that's my focus. So whether it's uh, supplies, vents, uh, you name it, we are finding it, identifying it, and shipping it to those who have requested it. You understand, though, of course, that the inability of the federal government to give a number in terms of masks alarms people. It makes people concerned that there aren't masks going out the door. I'm not saying that that's the case, but without a number, it doesn't fill people with confidence. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it's about an exact number. It really is. I think every American has a role to play. And, and so let me just give you an example. Uh, when it comes to testing, and Dr. Fauci said it yesterday, the president said it yesterday, uh, if you don't need a test, if you don't have symptoms, please don't get a test. Uh, for every test that we do that, uh, that someone doesn't have symptoms for, uh, that's PPE uh, not used well. So I ask every American, uh, if you have symptoms, go get a test. If you don't need uh, a test because you don't have symptoms, don't do it. That helps us. It helps governors. It helps your local community. Please play your part in this uh, effort to defeat the coronavirus. You just made a reference to PPE. That's personal protective equipment. It's what healthcare workers and first responders need to wear. And this brings me to my next question, because it's not just ma uh, masks that we're talking about, that there are shortages on the front lines, as you know. It's swabs, it's tests, it's ventilators. Obviously, it's FEMA's job to coordinate all these requests coming from all over the country. I want you to take a listen to just three governors in the last few days. All of Nevada's requests to the federal government regarding drive-through swab testing pods, swab test kits, and testing reagent kits are on an indefinite backlog. Do you have the masks, the ventilators, anything you need to fight this virus? No, we don't. Do we have enough beds? Do we have enough gloves? Do we have enough PPE equipment? And the answer is no. For the governors of Nevada, uh, Michigan, and I'm sure you recognize uh, Governor Cuomo of New York, y you said yesterday you've been getting requests for masks, swabs, ventilators, and more. When should local hospitals expect to receive these supplies? So it's all about priorities. We have been focused on the, the hot spots, New York City, Washington State, California, and others, to make sure that we send these uh, critical items and we, we understand they're critical, uh, to get them into the hands of uh, governors and medical professionals so they can treat uh, those patients uh, affected by the coronavirus. Uh, this is our mission. I have uh, 20,000 FEMA employees, and I have uh, all the employees of uh, 13 federal agencies, the private sector, here uh, devoting every single minute of every day uh, to meet this uh, demand. Can you tell us uh, how many tests, masks, ventilators uh, are in the demand? How many the governors have requested from you in terms of I, those I, items? I, I, I can't give you the, the, the micro. I can say that there's hundreds of requests uh, from virtually every state in the union looking for the same exact things. Uh, and it's just not uh, the demand nationally. It's the demand globally uh, for, for all these items. And again, uh, we're trying to make sure that we uh, focus our efforts uh, to those hotspots that need it the most. And then if you don't need it right away, then 
uh, you're going to be a little bit farther down the list. But we'll, we'll get to you. Again, nobody's doubting the sincerity of your effort, but the lack of numbers is, is alarming because it makes people think that maybe we don't even have a full understanding of the problem. Um, let me ask you, the president suggested on Saturday that even though he invoked the Defense Production Act for the coronavirus response that would allow the military to supply more and even for the president to compel businesses to manufacture some of these well-needed supplies, even though the president's invoked it, he's not actually ordered any companies to manufacture masks, ventilators, et cetera. Uh, has the president, as of now, Sunday morning, ordered any companies to make more, any, uh, to make more of any of these critical supplies? Uh, no, and, and, and we haven't yet. It really is leverage, I think, to, to demonstrate that uh, we, we can use it, the president can use it any time. Uh, and it's really amazing uh, that, uh, you know, the, how great America is. All these companies are, are coming up asking us what they can do uh, to help. Uh, and we haven't had to use it because uh, companies are, are around the country, uh, donations, they're saying, what can we do to help you? And it's happening uh, without using that, uh, that lever. Uh, if, if it comes to a point we have to pull the lever, we will. But right now, uh, it, it is really, uh, it, it's really a great sign about uh, the greatness of this country. Hospital systems in the U.S. are already starting to become overwhelmed. It's going to get much worse in the coming weeks. A Kaiser study out this week found that a majority of counties in the U.S., a majority of the more than 3,000 counties, have no, zero ICU beds, intensive care unit beds. And in counties that do have them, there's only one bed for every 1,300 individuals over 60 years old. Should the Army Corps of Engineers and FEMA be right now constructing hospital tents all over the country to prepare for this influx? Well, we're already doing it. Well, we did it in D.C. Uh, we're about to do it in a couple of states. And again, uh, you know, not, I think 90% of the new cases are from uh, New York State, and half of all the cases are from 10 counties uh, around the country. So that really is our main effort, to kind of get in there and... and, and blunt it, uh, and then we're going to look to where we need to move next. Uh, again, these are our priority states. Uh, we understand it. We hear it every day from governors. I know the administration, the president has talked to all these governors. Uh, my regional administrators uh, across the country are engaged with, with governors, emergency managers, and health, health officials every day. So you've done it. I know you, I, I read uh, the Washington Redskins announced yesterday that, that it's happening at, I think it's FedEx Field in the parking lot. Is there any other place in the, in the country where that is already happening? These hospital beds, these mass units, for want of a better term, are already being constructed? Uh, they're, they're happening around the country. Uh, you'll see more of them. Again, we're trying to uh, focus on where the need is, right? We, we don't want to waste our precious uh, resources. Uh, so the team behind me making sure that, uh, you know, the resources that we have, whether it's beds, alternate care facilities, uh, the, ca the capacity of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, we put it in the right place at the right time. And it's happening today, and you'll see it happening more over the next uh, few days. Lastly, Administrator Gaynor, um, and we thank you for your time. What's your message for the American people, many of whom are scared, not just about the health epidemic, but about the economy? What, what do you say to them? Yeah, so there's an end to this, right? Uh, I have no doubt that we will be successful. Uh, you know, mitigation, you know, the 15 days uh, plan that the president put out, those things work, right? And I know it's painful, uh, but every American has a role to play. So stay at home, social distance, wash your hands, uh, and help your neighbors that need help. Uh, but, but it works. And, you know, there'll be a brighter day in a, in a few weeks. Uh, but we ask everyone. This is just not, you know, the other guy doing it. This is everyone doing it uh, to make sure that we beat this thing. Administrator Gaynor, thank you for your time. Please let us know if there's anything we can do to help. And, and, and God bless you and good luck on this. Thanks, Jake. At least 80 million Americans told to stay at home, not only to keep yourself healthy, but to keep someone else alive. One of the governor's 
issuing that order joins us live next. Stay with us. Welcome back to State of the Union. I'm Jake Tapper. As coronavirus spreads, it is changing life as we know it from the coasts to the heartland. Illinois is now joining California, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut and telling its non-essential workers stay home. The governor of Illinois says the move could potentially save tens of thousands of lives. Joining me, that governor, J.B. Pritzker. Um, Governor Pritzker, thanks so much for joining us. You said last weekend that, quote, we're on our own out here. I wish we had leadership from Washington. We're not getting it. Since then, FEMA has been put in charge of the response. You just heard FEMA Administrator Peter Gaynor uh, respond to some of my questions. A week later, is it better? Do you still feel like you're on your own? It is better. Um, We really were getting very little help before. I think FEMA being the central repository uh, for everything that we need is very helpful. We're not having to ping different agencies. uh, And I do think FEMA is more prepared for this than the other agencies were. Uh, So, for example, uh, we have received some PPE in the past couple of weeks, uh, about a a quarter of what was an original request. Uh, We just just got a call this morning before I went on the air that we're going to receive another shipment of PPE uh, later today or tomorrow from FEMA. But it's a fraction still of what we've requested. We need millions of masks and hundreds of thousands of uh, gowns and gloves and, and the rest. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we're getting still just a fraction of that. So we're out on the open market competing for these uh, items that we so badly need. And, and we're succeeding in some ways, but we still need more. So I've got people on the phones, working the phones, calling you know across the world, frankly, to get this stuff shipped to Illinois. That seems kind of a weird way to do it, though, doesn't it? I mean, you competing with Governor Newsom of California, competing with Governor Cuomo of New York. I mean, that, that doesn't seem a very efficient way to, and not to mention um, a thrifty way to, to get these supplies to the states as soon as possible. That's correct. We're all competing against each other. This should have been a coordinated effort by the federal government and um, the national defense authorization that the president has to, you know, to, to essentially uh, push this manufacturing really hasn't gone into effect in any way. Uh, and so, yes, we're we're competing against each other. We're competing against other countries. Uh, you know, it's a it's a wide uh, wild west, I would say, out there. Uh, and indeed, we're overpaying, I would say, for PPE because of that competition. You issued a stay at home order for the entire state of Illinois. It took effect last night. You're one of five states now to do that. Your neighboring states have not issued such an order. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, Indiana, et cetera. Will your order work if other states are not doing the same? Look, these orders that the governors have led on, you know, I I led with, you know, canceling gatherings of a certain size in our state, and then we closed schools. Uh, You know, we've moved on now to a stay-at-home order. These should have been done nationally. They haven't been. But I've got to protect the 12.7 million people that live in my state. And I'm, you know, dedicated to that. It's their health and safety that matters most to me. It will work. It will work. Remember, we people are um, interacting every day in every way possible. Uh, and unless we tell people to stay home and to stop interacting in the way that they were, we're going to see more and more thousands, more tens of thousands of more deaths uh, than we otherwise would. So that's why I had to take the action that I did. I don't relish it 
frankly, this is a competition, you know, in the decision making between saving lives and saving livelihoods. And I, I've, I've had to make some tough decisions here, but it, I believe this is the right thing to do. Well, let's talk about how to save the people or help the people that, whose livelihoods are being uh, threatened, if not destroyed. Lawmakers here in D.C. are right now scrambling to pass this unprecedented $1.7 trillion aid package to help the American economy. One of the last sticking points is whether to spend more on sending checks directly to members of the public or to put that money into state unemployment programs for the states to distribute. What would you like? Well, look, we're going to have to do a lot. Uh, There's no doubt that the economy is being significantly harmed by the delays that the federal government, uh, you know, had during January and February getting going, dealing with this. That's why we've all had to go on uh, stay stay at home orders or keeping kids at home and closing bars and restaurants and so on. Uh, so what would I like? I, I, first, we've got to fund unemployment. There's no question about that. And the federal government needs to step up. Um, it appears to be stepping up on that. As far as sending checks to individuals, I, I certainly think that uh, that that should be you know means tested. Uh, there's no reason to send a, a check to Michael Bloomberg, uh, you know, for a thousand dollars. So if that's something the federal government decides to do. Fine. But there's another thing that isn't really being talked about, which is state governments are out here. As I said, we're on our own and we're having to spend quite a lot of money to do things that really are the job of the federal government. But we're doing it because I've got to protect the people here all across the country. Our budgets are going to be slammed. You know, our revenues are going down, uh, no doubt, precipitously. uh, And our spending has to go up because we're we're saving people's lives and, you know, we're trying to at least put some money in their pockets. So we need help. We, we would like block grants to the states. We've got to go back, no doubt, to the 2008 era to look at what was done there and try and replicate those, in fact, bigger, uh, because that is what is necessary in this time of national mm-hmm. emergency. So, Governor, last question for you. Um, I'm sure you're getting pushback from business leaders. Uh, we've seen uh, op-eds written and editorials written in The Wall Street Journal and other places suggesting uh, that what the government is doing uh, is by is harming the economy, which will ultimately uh, be a cure that causes more pain uh, than anything else. Uh, what's your response when you hear business leaders say that to you? Well, first, I would say those op-eds are not going to age well. I think when you look back on it a year from now, uh, that's not going to look uh, you know like it was the right thing to write at the time. Here's what I would say. Um, the business people in Illinois, frankly, have been so incredibly generous. Uh, they, many of them have offered uh, paid leave to their uh, employees. Many of them are uh, you know, doing whatever they can to help us in the state. I have a number of business people here who are acquiring PPE for us in the state. Um, and so, you know, I know this is very harmful to small businesses, to all businesses, really, uh, mm-hmm. what we've had to do across the country. But this is the right thing to do. We've got to save lives. Now is the moment. So this is what we are going to do. And the business people who are in Illinois, frankly, I've been amazed. Every business person, every CEO that I've called and asked them to do something for the state or for their employees or for the people has stepped up to the plate. Thank you, Governor. Appreciate your time. Good luck to you. God bless. Hope everything goes okay for our friends out there. Roughly half the U.S. coronavirus cases are in New York State. We're going to ask Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez about the crisis next. Stay with us. 
Welcome back to State of the Union. I'm Jake Tapper. FEMA has now declared a major disaster in New York, which is dealing with almost half the coronavirus cases in the country right now. And the governor said yesterday a majority of those cases are now of people ages 18 to 49. Joining me now is New York City Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Congresswoman, good to see you. Uh, As always, um, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio says your city is now the epicenter of the crisis in the U.S. There are more than 8,000 cases of the virus in New York City, at least 60 deaths. What are you hearing from your constituents and the healthcare workers in your district about what they need? Yes, well, I have several major hospitals in my district from Jacoby Medical Center to uh, Elmhurst Hospital, New York Presbyterian. And one of the things that we're hearing over and over again from hospitals, again, is this point on personal protective equipment. There are not enough face masks, gloves, ventilators, hospital beds to get us through this. Many hospitals are already at capacity or approaching capacity. And there is kind of no real stream in sight from the federal government on where these materials are coming from. You know, companies are donating what they can. That is great. It is not enough. And The fact that the president has not really uh, invoked the Defense Production Act for the purpose of of emergency manufacture is going to cost lives. The FEMA administrator, I asked him about that. He said it's not needed because so many American companies are stepping up to the plate and volunteering to do the right thing. Your response? It is absolutely needed. You know, we are thankful to anyone who's pitching in on this effort, but we are nowhere near the beds the capacity and the capacity uh, that we need in this country and the you know we're hearing it every step of the way from this administration first we were hearing it was a hoax then we were hearing that everything was fine then we were hearing that the fundamentals of the economy was okay until the crash comes and we cannot wait until people start really dying in large numbers to start production, especially of more complicated equipment like ventilators and hospital beds. We need to start this production right now to get ready for the surge that is coming in two to three weeks. Let's turn to Congress. Right now, negotiations are are ongoing on an economic stimulus package. Chief White House Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow said yesterday it could be as high as $2 trillion. You, You suggested that's still not enough. If you were writing this bill... How much would you spend and where would the money go? Well, I think uh, first and foremost, there is almost no number too small. I don't think a lot of people out there really understand the systemic shock that is being experienced in the economy right now. You know, folks are comparing this to 2008. This is very, very different than even 2008, because what we have seen is that almost overnight, our entire economy, even the felt economy from jobs, is seizing almost overnight. So the question is not just the size, but what we are doing with those funds. Because if we are having a huge package, and this is something for people to look out for, when this package rolls out, there is no reason for corporate bailouts to be included in an emergency relief package. We should be focusing Is unemployment expanding? Are we getting checks in people's hands? Are we suspending mortgage, rent, and and debt payments? If we're able to do that, if we're able to get money into households and stop the bleeding with with pauses on money going out of households, then we can get working families through this thing. But if all of this money is going to bailing out the airline industry in a way that does not help workers, if if it's going to bailing out banks and other industries without helping workers, then it's then it's not going to be enough. And in fact, it could be too big. So it's really about how we're using these funds. So um, you're 
you seem to be suggesting that you support, as, as a lot of people do in both parties, direct payments uh, to the American people. Uh, some Democrats have said that, that the $1,200 figure that's been proposed is way too small. How, how much money do you think the government should be giving the public directly? And it should, should it go to everyone or just people who need it? Well, so the Financial Services Committee uh, actually released their own plan. And I, I am very supportive of that plan, which has about $2,000 uh, this month for every American with an additional $1,000 uh, per child. But in addition to that, it stops payments. So it stops, it halts mortgage payments, rent payments, and all major consumer debt. And that is the key, because when you're able to stop the money going out, then that money that you do give goes a, a, a much longer way. So I'm very supportive of both of those measures. You used to work as a bartender, so you know what it's like for food service workers, people in the service industry who face the prospect of their hours being slashed. Uh, no customers, so there's no tips, uh, not to mention, obviously, people being fired. Um, what are some of the economic realities that you're hearing from your constituents? Oh, I mean, from the moment that that these business closures started happening, I was I've I've been very scared for um, a lot of these workers. All I can think about is what I would have done just two or three years ago. And so one of the issues here is that, of course, we need to be expanding unemployment. But there are a lot of workers in our economy that will not be covered by unemployment because they're hourly workers. They are gig workers. Um, they are they're freelance and contract workers and unemployment does not cover those workers, even though they're essentially unemployed right now. All of their contracts have frozen up or their gigs, their hours are, are uh, drastically slashed, but not completely slashed. And so what we really need to do and, and really that's why uh, these checks getting checks into people's hands is important. I do think it should be universal. I hear the argument of people saying, why are you going to give a check to Bill Gates? One of the things that we're saying is tax it back a year from now. So we don't have to worry about a big, complicated, bureaucratic means test up front. Mail them all out to everybody and let's get them back from the folks who don't need it next year. Let me ask you a question. You're part of a new generation of leaders in this country. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said yesterday that there's an issue with young people in New York state not complying with the stay at home order. He said they need to practice, quote, social responsibility What's your message to the young people or people of any age who are still disregarding the stay at home rules? Yes. You know, and I, I I've been speaking about this um, for for, you know, over a week now in that if you are a young person in America today, you need to stay home. There were there was so much messaging about how coronavirus is only impacting older people and that younger people don't have to worry about it for their personal health. Well, let me tell you something in the state of New York, about 55% of our cases are with folks 18 to 49. And when you have that, you know, A, you are able to be directly impacted and B, you're going to get your mom sick. You're going to get your grandparents sick. You're going to get people you love and that you care for sick if you are asymptomatic. So you may not think that you have it and you very well might, and you especially might if, uh, if you continue to go out and, and live life as usual. The Department of Justice has submitted to Congress several legislative uh, proposals on how to deal with the impact of the coronavirus on the judicial system, including one measure uh, that would allow a district's chief judge to delay the defendant's right to a speedy trial after a request from the attorney general. Um, what do you think about that? 
I think it is um, abhorrent. This is not a time, and you know, it, it is, there is a long history in this country and in other countries of using emergencies as times to really start to encroach upon people's civil rights. And in fact, this is a time when we need them the absolute most. We have to keep an eye out for these kind of authoritarian and, and frankly, for, for these, this expansion of, and sus rather, a, and suspension of rule of law. It does not matter how urgent times are. We have to make sure that we retain our civil rights. And there's no reason for us to be waiving folks' uh, civil rights in an emergency. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat of New York, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Stay safe. Of course. Thank you. So how are hospitals coping with the coronavirus crisis? We'll take a look at that next. Stay with us. Mr. President, I just want to read you some of what some of the doctors uh, on the front lines of this crisis are saying. Uh, Doctor, You mean the ones that are saying good things or bad things? We don't take lightly what you just read. You know, I mean, I get the calls every night the way you get emails. It's a serious issue. We don't want that to happen. But it is happening. You're not making things up. CNN's Jeremy Diamond asking the Coronavirus Task Force about the real needs of doctors, nurses, and healthcare workers getting an assist there from Dr. Fauci that this is a real issue. Let's discuss. Uh, Dr. Lee, uh, start, let me start with you. You're a CNN medical analyst. You're an emergency room physician. You're a professor who worked as the Medicaid director of Virginia and at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Tell us what's happening on the ground and what frontline healthcare professionals need. Sure, Jake. So, uh, what's happening on the ground is very different depending on where you are in the country right now. But for myself and where I work, as well as many of my colleagues, there's actually uh, this uh, odd or and eerie uh, quietness in the emergency department, sort of a calm before the storm, if you will. A lot of the elective surgeries have been canceled at many hospitals across the country, which is a good thing. Uh, a lot of patients are staying home and trying to avoid going in unless they absolutely need to. And so volumes are actually down in many places. Now, not in New York, where we heard earlier there is a surge of, of sick patients coming in. But uh, where I work and in many places, it's, uh, it's actually been uh, a little bit quiet. Dr. Morthy, you're the former Surgeon General. You're author of Together, the Healing Power of Human Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World. What should the government be doing right now to prepare doctors and nurses and healthcare workers on the front lines? Well, thanks, Jake. I, I think this is a time of great concern in the healthcare world because people are dedicated and committed to making sure people get care, but they're also worried about their ability to deliver on that and to protect themselves given the shortages that we have. What people are worried about, and I just spoke to the, the, a health official from a major American city last night about this is that when they look at the peak uh, of this pandemic, they're predicting that they will need somewhere between five to 10 times the number of beds that they have now. They're predicting that they are certainly going to run out uh, of personal protective equipment or PPE. So what these hospitals need from the federal government uh, is they need to know in concrete terms that help is on the way. And three numbers in particular would be helpful. Number one, how much do we have? Second, how much do we need? And third, how much can we expect from the government? Those are three simple but critical numbers that cities and states need in order to do their planning. And as much as the focus has been on masks and other protective equipment, there hasn't been nearly enough focus on healthcare workers themselves. 
And what we are going to do if, as Italy has experienced, we start to see more and more healthcare workers get sick. Italy has had over 3,000 healthcare workers uh, who have fallen ill. So, in addition to thinking about masks, we need to be thinking about how do we take people who have been furloughed, who have some basic medical training in CPR, like flight attendants, and mm -hmm. see if they can be put into work to help assist uh, in the medical setting. How do we train more volunteers on an emergency basis? We need to be doing that right now. Congresswoman uh, Murphy, um, you represent a district in Florida. You're actually self-quarantining yourself right now uh, because you met uh, with Congressman diaz Balart, who has tested positive for coronavirus. I'm really curious about what you think about what's going on in your home state, given the fact that so many of these cases have come uh, into your state from, from cruise ships docking in Miami or the Port, Ever or Port Everglades, uh, given all the spring breakers we saw frolicking on the beaches uh, just days ago. Uh, is your governor, is your state taking this seriously enough? Well, I am in self-quarantine, and I think that's a reminder that we can all be at risk of um, coming in contact with COVID-19, but that we all have a responsibility to make sure that we don't continue to spread the infection. Um, I think as far as it relates to Florida, we have particular vulnerabilities because we are such a large destination for tourists. And um, there's a lot that the governor uh, can do and, and can do to make sure that the public can respond in a, resp uh, a responsible way so that we can continue to try to build out the healthcare capacity. For example, in Florida, we don't have uh, Medicaid expansion. And so there are a lot of people who are uncovered who might not go seek medical treatment as a result of that and continue to be sick and spread the disease. Um, additionally, we don't have paid leave, so that puts workers in the difficult position of having to decide whether or not to stay home and not infect others or continue to make a living so that they can take care of their family. We, we also don't uh, have a very robust unemployment insurance. All of these things are acts that the governor can do to provide the support that's needed so that the public can do what they need to do, which is to stay home and to um, not continue to infect um, and spread the disease in the community while our health care providers build out the capacity that's needed to respond to this. Lonnie Chen, let me bring you in. You're a former senior official at uh, HHS. You also served as a policy advisor uh, to Mitt Romney. As a health policy official, how should the government be improving its response? I think we can probably all agree that it needs improvement. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things, Jake. I think, first of all, the communication element of this is key. When we looked at pandemic planning during the Bush administration, for example, one of the first tenets of that was making sure that we were having clear and consistent communication with the American public. Uh, and I think you're seeing that from a lot of our public health professionals now. You're seeing that in the form of these daily coronavirus task force briefings. But we need to make sure the message is clear and consistent. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is looking at what critical needs are for states and localities. You know, one of the issues with depending so much on the federal government is given our federalist system, Jake, as you know, so much of this response is key to the to the state and to the local level. So ensuring that the federal government is doing what it's can what it can in terms of regulatory relief, supply procurement, working with the private sector to encourage uh, what the uh, whatever it is that states and localities need. Uh, I think that's the second thing. And then the final thing is in areas like vaccine research, in uh, in the stockpiling of critical medications going forward. Coronavirus is not here just for these few months. It is here to stay with us likely for some time. 
we need to be thinking ahead beyond just the current phase that we're in into the future and thinking about how we can keep the American people safe going forward. Those are some critical things I think the federal government needs to be focused on right now. Uh, and, and Congresswoman Murphy, let me just ask you, do you think that Florida should follow the lead of New York, Illinois, California, Connecticut, New Jersey, and uh, impose a, a stay-at-home order to its residents? I think that depends on the um, at the spread of the virus, and I would leave that to the health experts to decide. But what I think we need to absolutely do is try to stay in front of this disease. Um, the spread of this disease is uh, going to really uh, cripple our healthcare system if we can't slow the spread. And so we need to make um, those decisions as uh, this moves forward. When I worked at the Department of Defense, I worked on pandemics during the avian flu. And so we looked at a lot of these scenarios. And the, the key on this is trying to make sure that we um, slow the spread so that our healthcare systems can prepare and be ready. And we can also advance on treatments and development of vaccines. Yeah, flatten the curve, as they say. Everyone, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Uh, coming up, I'm going to go ahead and guess you're having a tough week. We're going to talk about a reason for hope next. It's been a difficult week, and there is little indication that these coming days are going to be anything but worse. But uh, with all this grim news, it is worth reminding you of two things. One, we are going to get through this. And two, it's also worth noting some of the good that we're seeing, some of the humanity. To start, millions of Americans are showing great care for their neighbors this week by practicing social distancing and staying inside and giving up their routines to, in order to keep high-risk individuals virus-free. And then there are, there are other people worth singling out to thank, the helpers, as Mr. Rogers once called them. Uh, Jade Powell, a pre-med student in Reno who's using the time she would normally spend on learning to organize free grocery deliveries to the sick and to the elderly. She calls her volunteers across the country shopping angels. Restaurant owners are having a tough time figuring out how to make ends meet, so it was a welcome surprise for some in Jonesboro, Arkansas, when their landlord told them, don't worry about next month's rent. I've been in this industry for 27 years, and I've never seen anything like this. We consider them family. We don't consider them employees. School bus drivers are using their buses to deliver meals to students who need them. Students who aren't getting the school lunches that may have been their only real source of nutrition. They're offering hope for stressed parents. We're in it together, right? We'll get through it. We just all need to hang in there and support each other the best we can. We're in it together. We'll get through it, and we just all need to hang in there and support each other the best we can. That's what she said, and I cannot improve on that. Stay strong, stay healthy. Love each other. I'll see you here tomorrow. Thanks for spending your Sunday morning with us. The latest numbers in the coronavirus crisis next. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. 
Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 